Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of 1 Kings. The Old Testament book of 1 Kings and chapter number 11. The book of 1 Kings and chapter number 11. We're continuing with this series of the life and ministry of Solomon. And we have seen the beginning part of his life where he was living right. He was seeking after God. God appeared to him twice. And God has done some amazing things that Solomon had the wisdom and he had the riches and he was able to build and he was able to influence the uh, kingdoms around him. And he lived well for about 20 or something years. But now something has changed. And we've watched in the last several messages as it's been a step after step after step away from the Lord. It's been one step here and then another step and then another step. Until finally Solomon finds himself falling off the cliff. That remember before anyone ever has a public fall, it starts with a private failing. And we've watched those private failings as his heart has stepped away from the Lord bit by bit by bit. And now we find as everything crashes around him, the book of 1 Kings chapter number 11. The book of 1 Kings chapter 11, and notice with me if you don't mind in verse 1. 1 Kings chapter 11 and verse 1. But King Solomon loved many strange women, together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites, of the nations concerning which the Lord said to the children of Israel, ye shall not go into them, neither shall they come in unto you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clave unto these in love. And he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Zidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord as did David his father. Then did Solomon build a high place for Chemish, the abomination of Moab, in the hill that is before Jerusalem for Molech, the abomination of the children of Ammon. And likewise did he for all his strange wives which burnt incense and sacrificed unto their gods. And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel, which had appeared unto him twice and had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods. But he kept not that which the Lord commanded. 
Wherefore the Lord said unto Solomon, For as much as this is done of thee, and thou hast not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I commanded thee, I will surely rend the kingdom from thee and give it to thy servant. Notwithstanding in thy days, I will not do it for David thy father's sake, but I will rent it out of the hand of thy son. Howbeit, I will not rend away all the kingdom, but I will give one tribe to thy son for David my servant's sake, and for Jerusalem's sake, which I have chosen. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of First Kings in chapter number 11? The book of First Kings chapter 11, and notice with me in verse number 1. First Kings chapter 11 and verse 1, notice the statement, Solomon loved many strange women. Solomon loved many strange women. And with the Lord's help, we want to preach this significant event with this statement. Solomon loved many strange women. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And thank you for the great privilege to be here today to open up your word, to learn more from your precious word. And I'm asking that you would give us understanding that you would give us grace, that you would give us much discernment, that you would give us much perception to be able to discern and see what's going on and where it led to and the results of it, that we would be forewarned in ourselves with the principle that we find in here. I am very conscious that I need your help in a special way to be able to communicate this in a clear way, in a way that's easy to be understood, and a way that would be a help. It is beyond my ability, so I have to depend and trust on you. The best I know how, I surrender my thoughts, my goals, my ambitions, my desires, what I want to get accomplished, I give that to you. That you just do your work the way that you want it to be done through your precious word. And that you could help someone today in a major way because of the principles taught within this passage. And we love you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we examine this passage, the very first thing we want to bring our attention to is the strange women. The strange women. Now, we need to define our terms. The word strange uh, does, <laughs> just simply means something that does not belong to you. So it's, when it's talking about strange women, it's not talking about someone who's cross-eyed and someone who looks kind of funny and their face is misshapen or they kind of walk a little bit differently. It's speaking about someone that did not belong to them. It carries with it the idea of something new and something foreign, something that doesn't belong to you. But there's something inside of all of us that we desire something we don't currently have. There's something inside of all of us that we desire to have something that's new, something that's exciting, something that's exotic, something that's not everyday, not that's boring. And so here when it's saying that Solomon loved many strange women, here he had a wife that he had fallen in love with and it was a beautiful love story, but now he has all of these other ladies available. Now may I pause? Just because something's available doesn't mean it's something you should partake in. Today we have pornography that is very much available. And it's any, you just look at Facebook. It's just all over the place. Uh, it used to be just supermarkets, but now because of the internet, it is everywhere. It's accessible. 
I had an officer who was not saved, was not a Christian. He had some parents that said, when should I allow my child to have their own cell phone? He looked at them deadpan, not a preacher, not a Christian, but looked at him and said, you can give your kid a phone as soon as you want them to start watching pornography. It is that available. Just because it's available does not mean it's something we should be partake in. Solomon had it available. But the principle was is that they were not his. They were strange. They were exotic. They were something different. Sure, he was politically married to them, but it's going to end up being a big, huge mess. And so Solomon loved many strange women, women that did not belong to him, women that were foreign, that were exotic, that were different. And because of that, they made him enticing. This is a strange a thing here. We're going to apply this as we're seeing Solomon dealing with women. But do you know that your flesh craves for something that doesn't belong to you? Your flesh craves for something that's exotic, something that's different. You think about the plenty that we have in America. That if you, depending on who you are, sorry me, that you can't have the same meal day after day after day. You want something different. You've got to have, you know, our flesh wants something. And if you continue to allow your flesh to have what it wants, it won't be satisfied. It will crave something else, something more exotic, more that does not belong to you. And there's a principle of strange flesh. Now, I'm a guy, so I have to only speak for guys, but I'm assuming that these principles apply to women. You know why guys enjoy pornography? Because of this principle of strange flesh. Desiring something that's not theirs to have and something that is different and exotic. Something that's not theirs. It's something that makes pornography and that like so enticing. Your flesh is what's responsible for it. And the more that you allow your flesh to have its way, the more it's going to crave something that's not yours, something that is different. And this is a principle that we're going to see in Solomon's life that is going to go beyond just strange women and go more beyond pornography, but it goes to anything that your flesh craves. And the more that you feed it, the more that it's going to desire something that it's not yours to have, desire more that is different. You know, we get so spoiled that we're not satisfied with what we bought at the supermarket and that's in the refrigerator. I want something that I don't currently have. And so I'm not satisfied with a whole refrigerator full of stuff. I want something else. And if you continue to say, all right, I'm going to go out to eat and you feed your flesh, your flesh is going to rebel even more the next time you look at your refrigerator and say, well, this is what I have. No, no, I want something else. And you give into your flesh again, it's not going to satisfy it. It's going to make it stronger. So the next time it's going to be harder to resist. And then it will go more past McDonald's and Burger King and Chick-fil-A. You're going to start to crave other things more than food. And this principle is going to start to go in your life. I want something that I don't have. I have all these video games at home and half of them I haven't solved, but I want the new one. I have a whole library full of books I haven't read, but I need one more. I have all the sewing things that I want, but there's one more pattern I want. 
You understand? You apply it to wherever you're at. But the more that you feed your flesh, it doesn't satisfy it. But you want something else that you don't currently have. Something that doesn't currently belong to you. And you crave after it. Our flesh craves for something more exciting. It doesn't like the boring thing. Why do we have so many people church hopping? Man, I haven't even got to the first point yet. But we're, we're seeing the principle. Why do so many people church hop? Because there's something new and exciting over there. Oh, they have bigger clowns. They have bigger uh, signs. They have bigger music. They have bigger smoke. They have a bigger light show. They have a bigger slide to go into the pool. Whatever it is. And people will always go to something that's different. And crave something that they don't have. And not be satisfied with what God has provided. This principle applies everywhere. So whereas we're watching Solomon who is going to stumble with the idea of many strange women, the word strange is the key phrase, not the women. The word strange carries with it the idea of something that doesn't belong to me, something that is different, something that is exotic, something that I currently don't have. That is what my flesh wants and craves. And I get a choice to say, no flesh, or okay, flesh, if that's what you want, okay. And we cave into it, and our flesh becomes stronger because it got its way. And it becomes stronger because it had its way. And it becomes stronger until you can no longer battle it, and you give into its every whim, which is going to go beyond just simple food, games, hobbies. It's going to crave more. And the stronger it is, the harder it is for you to be able to say no to it. This principle of strange. Notice if you don't mind, as we continue to examine in verse number uh, one, first Kings chapter 11, verse one, it says, but King Solomon loved many strange women together with the daughter of Pharaoh. All right, now we start to learn, where do these women come from? Did they just show up? Well, they had started off as diplomatic relationships. That back in the medieval, or in the ancient world, the common practice to be able to make sure a powerful nation didn't attack you is that you would give them your daughter. All right, so the king, please marry my daughter. And so hopefully you won't invade my nation because... We have blood relation now because we have this connection. I'll go ahead and take one of your daughters and I'll marry her. So that way you won't attack my kingdom because you don't want to hurt your daughter. And so it just started off as a political arrangement. But the thing is, is that Solomon became such an influential, one of the most important nations of his time is that everyone wanted to get involved with it. And so this nation, here goes Solomon, take my daughter. Hey, Solomon, take my daughter. Hey, Solomon, take my daughter. Now he's got a whole palace full of ladies that he's not technically uh, married to with the idea that I've got my own wife and these are political marriages and they just live here. But he started to look around and say, hey, that's a Persian princess. She's pretty. There's a Hittite lady. I've never... And he started to say, since they're available, I'm going to give into my flesh and I'm going to go beyond just political marriages and I'm going to get the idea of let's just get involved a little bit more. 
And so there came the idea of dating and there came the idea of getting affection and listening to her hometown and listening to the things that she used to do and the way that she used to worship. Now remember that when these ladies came in, they didn't have to meet qualifications that, listen here, if you're going to be part of our kingdom, you have to worship our God and go to our church or our synagogue or our temple. You can only worship this. No, then you just political marriage. You come in with your own culture. And so what would happen is the ladies would bring in part of their culture with them. If they worshiped a false little G God, they would bring their idols. They would bring their textbooks. They would bring their paintings. They would bring those stuff. And so Solomon's palace where he kept all the ladies started to be almost like a museum of all the different worlds and all the different cultures. And that began to be attractive. He began to ask them, well, what about this? What does this painting represent? He started to engage with them a little bit more. And even though it was technically available, it wasn't for him to have. And now it's beginning to entice him bit by bit by bit. Notice as God, uh, in verse 1, we could see some of these nations here. And Solomon loved many strange women together with the daughter of Pharaoh. So that's Egypt. The women of the Moabites. The Moabites had always been a plague upon the people of Israel over and over, all the way from the book of Genesis. The Ammonites, the Ammonites, remember this is the people that they, uh, Joshua had a fight with. And the, the, these people he had always, the children of Israel always dealt with. Then you had the Edomites. The Edomites come from Ishmael. By the way, today this is morphed into the um, Arabic people. Most of them follow Islam. Still, a plague upon the Israelite people today. The Zidonians, this is where Jezebel is going to come from. Anything from Jezebel's hometown is not going to be a good place. And then the Hittites, these come from, uh, from Turkey. They're going to become a powerful nation that's going to fight against Egypt. And guess who's in between Egypt and, and the Hittites of Turkey? Israel. And Israel's going to get caught in the crossfire. And Solomon is getting relations with all of these kingdoms that is going to end up, these nations are going to hurt Israel later on. But more than political, they're going to drag them out. God explains why he did not want them to have these wives in the first place. So notice, it's not wrong that he spent time with the wives. That was wrong. But the major wrong was that he wasn't supposed to have them in the first place. Notice with me in verse number two. In verse number two, God is quoting Exodus chapter 34 and verse 16. So they're bringing back the Bible. What does the Bible have to say about this matter? Verse number two, of the nations concerning which the Lord said to the children of Israel in Exodus, ye shall not. Now, God didn't stutter. Is that pretty clear language? Don't do it. Thou shalt not go in unto them, neither shall they come in unto you. For surely, for surely, without a doubt, they will turn away your heart after other gods. By the way, did Solomon know this commandment? Absolutely. But notice as it goes on, Solomon clave unto these in love. Isn't that always how it works? Honey, you shouldn't be dating that guy. He is not good for you. He's going to hurt you. But mama, I love him. Well, what does the Bible say? But mama, I love him. That's not a legitimate excuse. 
So here, God said, don't do this. Solomon said, but I love them. It doesn't erase what the Bible says. Verse number three. And he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. Now, by the way, I have a hard time dealing with one. (laughs) One thousand, you are asking for headaches. You are just asking for, I meant, these 1,000 ladies are not going to get along. (laughs) Different cultures, do you think some of them got jealous of the others? Absolutely. I meant, this is just a powder keg. This is awful. And of course, there's going to be some that he likes more and he spends more time with them. Some are still regulated to... um, to political marriage. There's others that he says, man, I'm really interested. She's really pretty. She's exotic. Oh, she has a different culture. I want to learn more about her. And the more he spent time with them, the more they they would explain their culture, their gods, their way of doing things. And Solomon spent more time learning about their cultures, their gods, their religious text than spending in the time of the Bible himself. He was more interested in this foreign exotic knowledge, foreign exotic cultures, than studying what God had given to him for himself. And they're going to draw him away. He's going to walk further and further away from God. And he's going to experiment with some of these gods. Again, 700 wives, 300 concubines, each one of them bringing him something new to try in culture, religion, or something else. Which now brings us to a second thing. Not only the strange women, remember the word strange is the key here. It's something that's new, exotic, different, something that doesn't belong to you. We go from the strange women to strange gods, to strange gods. Something that did not belong to him, something that was different and exotic, new. Now, as long as Solomon was in his relationship and devotion to God, It could not hold up with the pressures and desires that these women had. When he started to walk away from God, he began to get weaker. He began to feed his flesh. Now his flesh craves something different. And his flesh flesh craves something different. The draw and enticement of these new things, these exotic things, these different things began to hold more of a sway, more of an attraction. Now the problem was, was not the attraction. It was his heart in the first place. Notice as God clearly addresses that in verse 6. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord as did with David his father. Verse 9. And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel which had appeared to him twice. The problem was it was a matter of the heart. It was a matter that Solomon did not guard his heart. He did not fully follow God. Now that's a powerful phrase. This is where many Christians are at now. They're not fully following God. Sure, they could show up to church Sunday morning and woohoo, I'm religious. I love Jesus. And then Monday morning, act like they didn't go to church at all by what they watch and what they do. They're not fully on board. Hey, I'm a Christian, but I don't read my Bible. You're not fully on board. Hey, I'm a Christian, but it's been two weeks since I've talked to God. You're not fully on board. You become very vulnerable. You see, it's 
fall in the boat or fall out of the boat. But God's going to shake the boat eventually. And you're going to either fall in or you're going to fall out. Are you fully on board? Someone said that when you straddle a finch, fence, all you get is torn britches. Um, this has been a constant problem. If you remember later on in the book of First Kings, uh, you have a prophet by the name of Elijah who took all of Israel and they were having a God off between the God of the Zidonians of Jezebel, the prophets of Baal and Elijah and his God. And they had a God off. And before they did anything, Elijah addressed the crowd and said, how long halt ye between two opinions? He says, pick a God. Joshua addressed this problem in the book of Joshua chapter 24, where Joshua looked at the crowd and said, listen, determine this day who is God, whether God be God or the gods on the other side of the flood, meaning in Babylon or Egypt where you came from. But as for me and my house, we will choose the Lord. I'm making a decision. But that was the problem that people have always had is this mediocre Christianity. Not fully following after God. I'm partially in it. Oh, I show up on Sundays and I look religious and I look good and I sing the song, Oh, How I Love Jesus. But Monday through Friday, you couldn't even tell I love Jesus at all because I don't even mention Jesus. I don't think about him. I just do my religious duty. I check off the box. I feel good about myself, but I'm not fully in. <coughs> <clears throat> that was the problem where Solomon was at. He was not fully in. Because he was not fully in, his flesh was strong. Because his flesh was strong, he craved those things that did not belong to him, craved for something new, something exotic. And because of this, he loved many strange women. As he loved these many strange women, he wanted to know about them. And now he's now craving these strange gods, these gods that did not belong to him, these gods that weren't really real, these gods that took him further away from God. Notice where God mentions several of these gods here. In verse 6, uh, sorry, verse 5. For Solomon went after Ashtaroth. Now, when God is mentioning names on purpose, he's mentioning these names for a reason. Ashtaroth is going to be a very important God that is going to pop up all throughout the Bible. She has gone from different names, Ashtaroth. Aphrodite, Venus, Ishtar. This goddess was the fertility goddess. In the region, she was considered the supreme goddess in all the land. Her worship often involved sexual rituals. <laughs> she was known that people would worship her in sexual things. One of her representations is an egg which showed spring, that every spring they would definitely have a big festival where they would visit and worship Ishtar, which we now know as Easter. Easter is a pagan holiday that is made to worship the, <coughs> excuse me, made to worship the fertility goddess. And just to show that people's heart is not fully for the Lord, isn't it amazing that they take the worship of the fertility goddess and attempt to mix it into Christianity? And so we have Easter egg hunts and we do all of these other things, worshiping Easter, 
That's why we purposely say in this church, Resurrection Sunday, so that way people are not confused. We're trying to worship the Lord and not any pagan thing. But this is going to pop up over and over. I know I send my hate mail to the email address. I understand it's coming every time, but we have to address what it says. And this is going to be something that pops up over and over this worship of Ishtar, this worship of Aphrodite, this worship of Diana later on in the book of Acts, this worship of Venus, this worship of Ashtaroth. Notice in your Bible, when you read it, you will find her pop up over and over. She is also notified as the queen of heaven several times in the Bible, in the book of Jeremiah and Ezekiel. Over and over, this goddess has been the attraction. After all, this is going to be the same as in our culture is pornography. This idea of sexual sins becoming attractive. And now I am giving clearance to practice these sexual sins because my flesh craves strange flesh, something that doesn't belong to me. And it is a very enticing, sensual way of quote unquote worshiping and gives an excuse. Notice there's another God that's mentioned in this verse here. For Solomon went after Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Zidonians, and Milcom, the abomination Notice what God says, the abomination of the Ammonites. Milcom is also known as Molech, was also an important god of the region. Now, in order to worship Molech, why he was considered an abomination in God's sight, that often it would require the sacrifice of a child. That later on, even the uh, people at kings of Jerusalem got engaged with the worship. Later on, they dedicated the Valley of Tophet, which is just a horrible thing that in uh, the Valley of Tophet, which is the Valley of Hinnom, which is in the very south of the city of Jerusalem, was started off as just the garbage heap. You had to have garbage somewhere. You have a city there. You'd start to throw trash. Well, after time, the trash began to get built up. You have to do something with it. So someone got the bright idea. Let's light it on fire and burn our trash. And so the Valley of Hinnom began to be known as the valley where the fire doesn't ever die. And the worm dieth not. You can just imagine all the maggots crawling around. And the fire that's always burning because there's always trash. Well, later on, as this ever-burning trash heap is going on, some king said, we don't want to worship God. We want to worship Moloch. And so what they did is they would build this huge idol, a mouth facade of the god Moloch. And they would have this slide that would go down into the mouth of Moloch. And they would take babies and roll them down the slide. And the baby would roll down into this ever-burning trash heap. And they would be burned alive. And in order to drown up the streams, the Valley of Tophet carries the idea of the banging of drums. That what they would do is they would bang the drums to drown out the screams so you couldn't hear it. As the baby perished and died in the fire. Anytime where you see in the Bible where it says that they had their child pass through the fire... It was in the worship of Moloch and sacrificing their children for their own sins, their own worship. What a horrible place to get into. You say, our culture will never do this. More hate mail coming. Today, we have a whole system in place of sacrificing children so we don't have to suffer the consequences of our sexual sins. You could plug in the holes after that and I'll just save the hate mail. But it's in worship of people's sexual sins that they sacrifice their children. 
it was an abomination back then. It's an abomination now. God still hates it. Doesn't matter what little g God people are worshiping to. God hates it. It's an abomination. And now Solomon is participating in these. He's involved in these. And because Solomon did this, it's going to give permission for his grandchildren, great-grandchildren, great-grandchildren to also worship their little g-gods for Asheroth and Moloch. Manasseh ended up killing so many people, a king later down the road of the lineage of Solomon, that God said that Manasseh filled the streets of Jerusalem with blood. All in worship to little g-gods. All because Solomon started it. Because Solomon craved strange women that laid to strange flesh. You said this is not a very encouraging sermon. But this is a principle that we have to understand because we will all battle with this principle of strange flesh. Always craving and desiring something that's not ours to have. Craving something, desiring for something that's different, that's exotic, something that we don't currently have. Our flesh always wants it. And it may carry up to such thing as pornography. And then it will take another step to adultery, fornications. It goes on. And then it goes on to even worse things. This is something we have to be aware of is the idea, the principle of strange flesh. My flesh craves those things that I currently don't have. And it wants something different and something that's exotic. We started with the strange women that brought us to the strange gods. Notice if you don't mind, let's finish this idea up. Verse 7, then did Solomon build a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, another god in the hill that is before Jerusalem, and for Moloch, who we just got through talking about, the abomination of the children of Ammon. Now Solomon, he's not only built the temple, he's built all these other structures, now he's spending time to build false temples and altars to these little g-gods. Someone might be confused. Solomon, I thought you loved God. I do. Well, then why are you building this? Oh, it's no big deal. It is a big deal. It's confusion. Verse number eight, and likewise did he for all his strange wives with burnt incense and sacrifice to their gods. So they would drag him and say, all right, Solomon, if you want to be with me, you have to go to my church. Solomon, if you want to be with me, you have to go to my temple. And Solomon, today we're going to practice this, this practice and you got to participate. Okay. Well, do you think people of the kingdom are watching Solomon? And if Solomon's doing it, it must be all right for us to do this. You see, Solomon's not just walking away from God. He's teaching others to walk away from God through his influence. This is a big deal, which now brings us to strange results. Remember the word strange, something that doesn't belong to you, something that's, strange, uh, that's different and exotic. Do you, did God have a plan for Solomon? And the results are going to be something that God did not intend for Solomon. Something that was strange, something that was different than what God had intended for Solomon. And there's always consequences and results. Notice with me verse 9. And the Lord was angry with Solomon 
because his heart was turned from the Lord of Israel. Notice, this is really why he's angry, which appeared unto him twice. You understand that it wasn't just Solomon reading it from the Bible. It wasn't just a preacher preaching to Solomon. God himself appeared to Solomon two different times. The very last time, he had a whole conversation with Solomon and said, don't worship other gods. Don't worship other gods. And he says, okay, God, I will. I'll obey you. He heard God speak to him with his own voice. And he still disobeyed. You understand, it is bad enough to read what the Bible says and then choose to disobey it. It is bad enough to hear a preacher preach and still disobey it. But could you imagine God himself saying, Solomon, don't do it. Okay, okay. And then goes and do it. No wonder God's upset. No wonder God is angry. He had warned Solomon. Why? Because Solomon was going to do this. He knew Solomon's temptation to go worship a different God. We know that David messed up, but David was never tempted to go follow another God. That's where Solomon was. He was tempted. His flesh was weak. He gave into his flesh over and over and over. Notice as we go on verse 10. And commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods. But he kept not that which the Lord commanded. For as much, uh, wherefore the Lord said unto Solomon, For as this is done to thee, thou hast not kept my covenants and my statutes which I command thee, I will surely rend the kingdom from thee and give it to thy servant. And what he's going to do is that because of this, Solomon's son Rehoboam is going to take the throne and God is going to take the kingdom of Israel and rip it in two and give one tribe to Solomon's son and the rest of the tribes to Israel and said, fine, you don't get it. This is going to be a consequence. It's not what I intended. It's not what I wanted for you. But now you get consequences of something that I did not intentionally want for you. Now you have to deal with these strange consequences. What a horrible thing. Now let's go back, if you don't mind, in the book of Proverbs chapter 5. And let's see the strange warning. Let's apply it to our lives. Now, what's really ironic is that who wrote Proverbs chapter 5? So we're going to see that something that Solomon wrote that he should have practiced. It wasn't that Solomon was ignorant of this thing. Notice what Solomon said under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Proverbs chapter 5. Notice with me verse 1. My son, attend unto my wisdom and bow thy ear to my understanding. So here we have the picture. Solomon's taking his son Rehoboam. Son, let me teach you something that you should never do in your life. Let me teach you what you are supposed to do what's right. Let me give you a warning, son. Verse 2, that thou mayest regard discretion and that thy lips may keep knowledge for the lips of a strange woman. There's that word strange again. The word strange is something that doesn't belong to you. That's something that's strange and exotic, something that our flesh is going to crave. He says, son, let me tell you something. You're going to run into a strange woman, not someone that's cross-eyed or has a misshapen face, but someone that doesn't belong to you. And she is going to speak to you. The lips of a strange woman drop as honeycomb. And her mouth is smoother than oil. Solomon, or son, let me tell you. You're going to come to some lady who's going to tell you sweet nothings. Oh, you're so handsome. You're so strong. You're so brave. Oh, you're so... And 
By the way, guys like that. We like our egos being fed. Good. Oh, you're so big and handsome. And he's going, okay, whatever you want. Verse four, but her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. He says, son, you stay away from the strange woman. She's going to say nice things to you. She's going to make you feel good, make you feel big and strong. But her end is wormwood. Wormwood is a type of plant that produces, um, <coughs> excuse me, that produces and excretes a fluid that actually destroys the brain. She's going to destroy your brain, son. And her end is sharp as a two-edged sword. She's going to kill you with this. You're going to get hurt by this badly. Be careful with that strange woman. Why Solomon's starting to build up his hair behind him. Verse 5, her feet go down to death and her steps take a hold of hell. Son, she is going to bring you away from God and she's going to draw you straight to hell. Stay away from her. She's going to hurt you. Again, can't you see the irony of this? Verse 6, lest thou shouldest ponder the path of life, her ways are movable that thou canst not know them. Oh, I know where I'm going. I've got everything in there. And then she's going to change the path on you. You're going to end up going a lot further than you ever intended to go. And it's going to cost you a lot more than you ever wanted to pay. There's great consequences for this. Verse six, or verse seven, hear me now, therefore, ye children, and depart not from the words of my mouth. Remove thy way far from her, and come not nigh to the door of her house. He says, listen, don't go near her. Avoid her. Stay away from her. Don't give in to your flesh. Tell your flesh, no, but she's so pretty. No, but I want something. No. You have to learn to tell your flesh no because it wants something that's not yours to have. It wants something that's strange and exotic. Something that you don't currently already have. It's going to drive you and bring you somewhere. It's going to cost you so much. Once you open that door and let the devil in, he will never leave. It will constantly be a fight. <clears throat> Verse number nine. Lest thou shall give thy honor to others. Give thy honor to others and thy years under the cruel. You know, one moment in sin can leave a heartbreak for the rest of your life and leave great consequences. He says, I'm trying to help you. You may think that you could get by with it. That one time, that one moment, it won't matter. It does. It does. Verse number 10, lest strangers be filled with thy wealth. And thy labors be in the house of a stranger. He says, listen, you go down this path, you go with her, it's going to cost you more. She's going to have everything you own. And other people are going to enjoy all that you work for. Isn't there a lot of people who pay alimony right now who say that? Yeah. <laughs> it costs me a whole lot. I pay, I'm working hard so she could live well. Those consequences for sin. Verse 11. And thou mourn at the last when thy flesh and thy body are consumed. Just for that one moment. It's going to cost you for the rest of your life. You understand this is a big warning. Your flesh is like an evil beast. That is wanting something to get into. It wants to get into trouble. 
You have to tell it no. Verse <laughs> number 12. And say how I have hated instruction and my heart despised reproof and have not obeyed the voice of my teachers nor inclined my ear to them that instructed me. You know what happens? When you start giving into your flesh, you no longer want to listen to the wisdom of the Bible. Oh, that Bible's stuffy. The Bible just wants to stifle my fun. It wants to limit what I'm, my enjoyment. The Bible's trying to keep you out of trouble. We've all been that place. Maybe it's a high school person or maybe it was a child or maybe it was a family member who got all twitopated. I love him. Don't do it, but I love him. And no matter what instruction you try to give them, they don't listen. They're just blanked out. And then they end up getting hurt. And you cry because you said, I warned them. I told them not to do this. And now there's consequences for it. Once you start giving in your flesh, you don't want to hear what the Bible says. When you start giving in to your flesh and start craving exotic things, like I said, it may start off with something by not being satisfied with the refrigerator. But the more that you feed it, the more powerful it gets. The more powerful it gets, the more that it wants. And the harder it's going to get to say no. And as you start being driven by the flesh and allowing the flesh to win, then you don't care what the Bible says. You ignore it. That's not for me. Oh, that sounds nice, but nah. And you start to disregard it. You set it aside. You don't obey the voice of the teacher. You don't incline your ears to those that you instructed you. Oh, your heart starts to hate and despise reproof. Listen, you let me live my own life. I've got things handled. We have the warning of Solomon. And then we see Solomon and the results. The things that God said in Proverbs chapter 5 is exactly what happened to Solomon. Solomon should have took heed to his own words. Why didn't he? His flesh was so strong. Solomon desired. Solomon craved. Solomon loved many strange women. Which brought him to the place where he got involved with many strange gods which then had strange results, results that God never intended for him to have, but now he has to live with. All because he kept saying yes to his flesh and ignoring the principles that the Bible clearly let out. We have to be warned ourselves: How strong is your flesh? Have you been giving into it lately? Have you been giving it what it wants? Have you been petting it? Have you been saying it's all right here? You could have something more. It will not. Your flesh can never be satisfied. It only gets stronger. The Bible gives the principle that we have to learn to die to self. Not starve it. Kill it. No. You don't have rule over me no more. No. I don't want it. No. Because we understand our flesh will bring us further than we ever wanted to go. It's going to cost us more than we ever wanted to pay. It's going to open up the door to allow Satan to cause havoc in our life. And then the results come that we never wanted to have. This principle of strange flesh. 
Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.